0: All of us believe something about the end of the world.
1: Entire ecosystems are collapsing.
0: We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. Eschatology means the study of the end times.
1: I'm really getting nervous here about what are we going to do? We, we, I'm useless. I know how to
0: use a spreadsheet. We dismiss it as someone else's business. He's talking about the tribulation period. All hell is going to break loose on earth. In other words, no matter how bad things are right now, you ain't seen nothing yet. And this podcast is all about eschatology and what people really believe about the end of the world. And I'll be joined by my great friend Pete Milner, who is a master of theology, a great student of history and just a great thinker and all-round good egg. So join me in this exciting adventure. So hi everyone and welcome to another sauntering podcast on the in the eschatology series with my good friend Pete Milner. Hi everyone. And we've been having a bit of a gallop through some thinking on eschatologies um, but also now we're drawing into Christian eschatology. We had a bit of a canter through history didn't we Pete Mm, last time and one of the things that stood out for me was this desire to put a date on it mm-hmm. and the consistent failure to get it right even from very notable worthies
1: um, yeah people who he would look up to in history yeah set dates and were wrong weren't they
0: john wesley yep and very famous chuck smith yes now a subject of a action movie <laughs> <laughs> jesus revolution in box offices near you Um, It's a great film, apparently, but I don't think it's made it to England yet. Anyway, so really, we want to be good stewards of this. Mm. We're not trying to just be here to put our own opinions forward, but to help people think through the issues, think through the scripture and... There is a sense in which we all need to be preppers, don't we, Pete?
1: Yeah, I mean, laying up, like being good stewards, as you say, is partly about anticipating what's about to change. And many times when Jesus talked about the end or the day of the Lord, he often said, you know, watch, be on your guard, you know, be prepared. You know, when there's the 10 virgins waiting for the bridegroom to return, um, half of them store up enough oil to make sure that they have lamps that can sort of like the way on time Mm -hmm. and half of them don't and he's cross with the ones that don't isn't he so So
0: there is a state of readiness which is to do with the preparation
1: of our own hearts yeah absolutely and i for my money it's less to do with how many tins of beans and Mm -hmm. how many water purifiers you have stashed away and more to do with how do we respond to god's initiative and we looked last week didn't we about how in, in times of renewal, we have this great sense of God's initiative and it makes us think, golly, the momentum is here, the end must be nigh. Yeah. And I guess what we'll see is that in times of disaster, persecution and tribulation, we also have that feeling of like, we must be nearly there now, we must be nearly there. We're anticipating. Yeah. And I don't think it's wrong to do that. No. But there are some things that people do and say which do trouble me. And I think I would like to, kind of butt up against them a little bit. So mm-hmm. there's a few kind of thinkers out there within certain subsections of Christianity. And what they say is the end is nigh. Therefore we don't really have to worry about this world. Right. The idea of having to worry about oil running out or climate change. They're like, you know, well, this this whole world's going to hell in a handbasket pretty soon. Anyway, we might as well just live it up. Yeah. Get fat off the land if we please. And, you know, bless as many people as we can by extracting maximum resources and we'll just let the world sort of manage because it's about to be squished by God anyway. Yeah. And to me, that sort of smacks of the wrong sort of anticipation. It doesn't speak of good stewardship, does it? Not really, not in any way. Laying up an inheritance
0: for our children. No. So this session, this episode, really, I wanted to call Unraveling because i wanted to somehow try and unravel some of these mm. themes that are so strong in christian eschatology but also appear in other thinking as well and so i wanted to just ask some really simple questions like what do we what do we really know what is clear and unambiguous in the in the christian scriptures um, that helps us to navigate and, mm. and one thing we can say with confidence and is shared by pretty much all mainstream christian um, denominations and streams and so on is that jesus is most definitely coming back not just in a kind of spiritual kind of wafty nighty kind of way but in a real bodily return of jesus christ in glory
1: Right. So that is what Timothy Snyder would call stultifying the imagination, isn't it? Because what we're saying, like all other eschatologies we've looked at, is there actually will be an actual end of history, of life as we know it, and this will be the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ to end the earth in this way. So we freely admit, I think, reading the text as simply as we can... That that is unambiguous, as you say. And there will be
0: an end of history as we know it. Yes. And everything will change. And Mm -hmm. the Bible talks clearly about a new heaven and a new earth. Yeah. And the end of wickedness and rebellion ultimately yeah, sin completely yeah.
1: no more evil no more
0: death so just a few classics jesus himself clearly states in matthew 24 that that it's going to be visible to the whole world at the same time he right. says it's going to the son of man when he returns it's going to be like lightning is visible from one end of the sky to the other mm-hmm. and he says it's going to be the same for him it's not going to be a secret event so no. The idea of a secret rapture, Jesus' return, if
1: we're talking about the same thing, Jesus is certainly re- not going to be secret. It's most public, is yeah. it? And, and more, I, I think perhaps it's important to say that we, even though we recognise that all eschatologies have this end of history idea, and all eschatologies have a kind of grasp of the natural and the sort of scientifically plausible reality... We are talking, aren't we, unambiguously and unashamedly about something that is physically, at least, naturalistically impossible. Oh, absolutely! Because you can't be visible in Australia and in America and in UK at the same time, unless you're breaking some sort of physical (laughs) rule, aren't you? But we really hope Jesus will break them all, don't we? Exactly. Exactly.
0: There has all this time our belief in the supernatural Mm -hmm. has been part of our faith. And therefore we, we absolutely expect him to to do to, <laughs> to violate. Make all light the laws of, of Nick.
1: Planck's constant and <laughs> Newton's thermodynamics. Yes, thermodynamics. absolutely. Yeah. As many as
0: he likes, as
1: long as he comes back. Well, exactly. And and this is so important for us because there's so many things which people have tried over the centuries to say, ah oh, yes, Jesus has returned but, mm-hmm. or he will return but and it will all be sort of quite shadowy and, and it will all be about sort of just thinking about things slightly differently. We can't go there, can we? No. We, can't, we can't agree that this is anything less than an end of the physical universe yeah. as we know it, can we? So Mark
0: records the same um, piece of conversation from Jesus in chapter 13, verse 26. He says, and they will see the son of man coming in clouds with great power and glory. hmm. And then he will send out the angels to gather his elect from the four winds and the ends of the earth to the ends and sorry, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Mm-hmm. So this sense of Jesus gathering up all those ones who are his elect and who've believed also in him, chosen yeah. to follow him as well. Yep. So it's this reciprocal election, if you like. Mm. Um and it Mark does say after the tribulation he and so there is this sense that that all these things are going to happen, all this difficulty is going to come, and then Jesus is going to come and gather up his saints. And that will be the end. That's how a superficial reading of Mark 13 yeah. looks to me.
1: Yeah, that's that's
0: fair enough. The angels also in Acts chapter 1, they say that this same Jesus, not another Jesus, nope. this same Jesus, the Messiah, the will one return. you've recognised as the Messiah, will return in the same manner as you've
1: seen him go. So being revealed literally in the sky, literally in the heavens, somehow completely impossibly, but by this divine miracle of of unapproachable um, equivalence, you know, there's (laughs) going to be nothing like this before or since, is there? This This is going to be the defining moment of everything, isn't it? And it's going to be impossible for us to sort of think about it in the same way we may think of the virgin birth. You know, every Christmas we think... About that wonderful hidden mystery mm. of, of a tiny how little silently, family, how silently. Yes, indeed. You know, the, the you know the spirit of God sort of sneaking around yeah. the villages in Jerusalem and and taking care of business. It's not going to be like that. At the end, is it? No. I, I don't think any reading of the scripture can leave you with any sense that the physical world will continue ad infinitum. It's all got to come to this end, which is yeah. the unambiguous, permanent. Absolutely obvious demonstration of revelation of Jesus Christ from heaven. Absolutely.
0: So the Apostle Paul says, 1 Thessalonians 4, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will be the first to rise. After that, we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so we we'll, we will always be with the lord now, right i understand that that sense of meet that, that what's carried in that word meet mm. to meet the lord is the same kind of sense that um we read in when the the believers went out to meet paul from the ship and they went back with him into the city or when a when a conquering general roman general came into town with all mm-hmm. the and everyone came out to greet him mm. in his
1: retinue of victory and so on right so this is a huge celebration for some of the people in the world isn't it because the day of the lord the the revealing of jesus christ in heaven in power and mm-hmm. glory is the ultimate final dividing line isn't it between humans where on one side, we should be gathered up to him, waving whatever flag we can pick up on the way into the <laughs> sky. Just so delighted that he's yeah. finally here and will be with him forever, as Paul mm-hmm. says and as Jesus sort of um, told us. But then the other half of, of human history basically will come to meet its ultimate destruction and they will be forever separated and and, and judged as having been outside of the covenant people, outside of that people of of faith community that that we're in. So Mm. what we're saying is this awful, awful thing and this mighty, wonderful, brilliant thing will happen at the same it's time. It's
0: quite a hard one, isn't it?
1: It is. And so
0: I, I've got friends who say, oh, I just wish Jesus would hurry up and come back. And I'm like, yeah, I share that sense mm, of Come Lord hope, Jesus. But at the same time, I feel we've done such a miserable job of reaching the people around us with yeah. the good news of Jesus that so many are actually mm. going to be utterly devastated when he returns because yes. it's not they're not going to meet him with joy, but with, oh my Mm. is this, this was real all along.
1: Yes. I mean, I, I have spoken to friends who don't believe mm. and what they've said is if I could just see some proof, if I could just yeah. see a completely clear, unambiguous, mm-hmm. obvious, definite, final, conclusive proof that yeah. it's Jesus and that it's God and that it's everything in the Bible and all the rest of it, yeah. then I would believe. And I think... I'm not sure you would, actually. Yeah, no. And more worryingly, there will come that moment, but it may be already too late for you.
0: I've I, One of my stories I tell of God doing wonderful miracles mm. is of a lady who was in a coma and she hadn't breathed for 20 minutes. And I prayed for her and she was in intensive care. She came back to life, as it were, and, and was completely healthy and is alive now. Mm. Um, no brain wow. deficit, no memory loss, nothing. You, no brain damage, just incredible. And yet, to the best of my knowledge, as yet, she hasn't received Jesus. You know, and so even though mm. she's literally had her life given back to yeah. her yeah. in a miraculous way, yeah. by the but the only thing that happened was some simple person came and prayed. Yes, and. But, you know, it does seem to be more than convincing signs that yeah bring people in the well, end. Well, I
1: remember Jesus told a parable, didn't he, in Luke 16 mm. about somebody dies and goes to the afterlife. And there has various conversations with people. And this unbeliever who dies, who, who was wicked and very and wealthy, but not kind to the poor, um, he finds himself in agony. And he calls mm. out and he says, let... You know, let let someone be raised from the dead and go to all my brothers because they don't believe either. And I want them to escape this dreadful yeah. fate. Yes. And I think it's Abraham in the afterlife who says they won't believe. Even if someone came back from the dead, they just won't. Yeah. They already have the spirit of God in the world. They already have the witness of the scripture. They mm. already have the faithful people proclaiming the news, it is all already up to them to respond to that invitation, yeah. yay or nay. And that opportunity is theirs for as long as they live. But afterwards, the line is drawn and we can't mm. cross over from one side to the yeah. other anymore.
0: It doesn't stop me praying, though, Pete, for yeah. more and more convincing signs to be
1: done through the no, and, of and God's people, and so on. Absolutely, and what more convincing sign than the regeneration of the human heart? Mm. I think this is such an important thing because yeah. it unites um, Christians across various theological divides to say it is actually a miracle to become a Christian. Yeah, you know, it really this is, is this is the work Truly. of the Holy Spirit of God making your heart and mind and whatever you are alive to Him and able to believe and able to trust in him and able to have faith and if you've never prayed and if you've never found faith before try asking for it yeah you know like the disciples you know they saw signs and wonders and they doubted themselves at moments and they said lord increase our faith and you know what he did he gave them faith to believe and he gave them the ability to believe and repent and preach and do miracles and all the rest of it. And mm-hmm. if we can meet God in that need for faith first, then I think everything else will fall into place. And I in think, that way.
0: dear listener, this is your moment really. This is the this really is the crux. This is the only message that actually the door is open, the offer is on the table. Mm. And what it requires of you and me is that simple response of saying, Jesus, if you are there. Give me faith. Yeah. Help me to believe. Let me experience that miracle in my own heart. Yeah. Isn't it? That's so good. Yeah. Um, So just go, then. if we move on to this vexed question of when, Mm. I think we've we've said, you know, that these great worthy theologians and scholars and whatnot have made pronouncements and Mm -hmm. predictions and so on through the ages and have been wrong. Yeah. Um, And I think for me, I've always found it... I'm not a great mathematician, but I've always struggled when people try to show me the mathematical reason why it's X, Y, or Z time. And there's something in my... I don't know if it's just my stubbornness or whether it's a reluctance in my spirit to actually get involved with that, but I find Mm. I can't give myself to it. It's like... I know Jesus is going to come back. Yep. I know it's the most. This is the most significant thing yes. now that will ever happen in history. Yeah. But let's. It I, I can't, still. You just
1: can't fall to calculating,
0: and I can't find
1: permission in the Scripture to work it out like that. No. And, well, and, that, I think that's so interesting. If I can yeah. jump on that because it is. It was the first century, literally years or decades after jesus returned to heaven that these questions were first asked Mm. where is he when is he coming where is this coming that was promised you know paul um says in that that thessalonians passage you read earlier he's answering the challenge of somebody died in between jesus going back to heaven and you know he's obviously not back yet what happens if you die before Jesus yeah. returns? I mean, that's probably 40 so AD. Some anxiety about it. Yes, that. and that's 15 years, probably, mm-hmm. around about 15 to 20 years after Jesus went back to heaven. People are dying, old people, you know, coming to the end of their life. And they're saying, you know, the, the church that's left are like, are they going to miss it? Are they yeah, going to miss yeah, the return? Wow. Yeah. And then Peter writes, as you as you alluded to there, he, he writes saying, um, some people have been saying that the Lord is slack in returning but you shouldn't say that he's being slack it's not about that kind of timing the Lord's not being lazy he's not like accidentally taking too long he's got this mission that is the salvation of everyone you know that he's not slow concerning his promise but he desires that all people should come to repentance and faith in that sense so Remember this if you remember anything that a day of in the in the lord's time is like a thousand years here and a thousand years is like a day you you don't get to know god's timing in that way but even that statement people've tried to work it out on the basis of that
0: haven't oh, they? Yeah, they said yeah. ah right one day equals a thousand years therefore how many thousands are we work are it out so a yes, thousand so, for this and a thousand
1: oh, for that. And maybe if he spent three days dead, Jesus, maybe it's more like that. Maybe it'll be 3000 AD. He comes back. And um, I know there were a lot of people who, after 2000 years of Christian history, thought probably yes, the end is going to come. Pretty 20, much. Uh, I think the next one's 2033 sort of 2,000 years on um, from when Jesus returned to heaven, yeah. you know, the, the year he was crucified. It's, we're going back to these auspicious
0: dates again, oh, aren't we? We Which are, and it's tempting. part of our recipe for yes. an eschatology,
1: mm. but it is not necessarily reliable. No, it, as it, of it's means of navigating. not. It. And I'll tell you, one of the most important things God ever taught me, and I'll give you this for free... <laughs> Was <laughs> It's not his aim to make you smug. That's a good quote, Pete. So what if, Paul, I do work it out? What if I do multiply the number of apostles times Daniel's sevens, mul- divide it by the square root of how many years it was that Jesus lived? And what if I do work it out yeah. and he returns at that moment, the very moment I calculated i shall be grinning from ear to ear as smug and as proud and as hideously <laughs> grotesquely self-indulgent as i could possibly be and i'll just be grinning and waving as i'm raptured off to heaven while the rest of the world is destroyed and i just don't believe that's what god wants for me doesn't sound quite like it does no it? and there are other things apart from the calculating of the end of the world where god has had to kind of get through to me that it's not about just Knowing the answer ahead of time so yeah. you can be smug at the end. It's supposed to be a humbling experience. And I tell you, it is a humbling experience yeah. to have to navigate because the yeah. church is desperate for Jesus to return. And many yeah. wiser than me have laid their whole professional lives to this task, to try and calculate the During
0: lockdown, I heard one lady, bless her, on YouTube saying, if I'm wrong on this, you don't have, you must disregard everything I've ever said in the past. Mm. And she was wrong.
1: What was her date?
0: It was that September of 2020. 2020,
1: 2021
0: or whatever. 2020, yeah. Let me just, um, bless her, and Lord we forgive her. But anyway, let's look at Matthew 24 a second. So this is this famous piece that, Um, In many respects is Jesus' most clear teaching on his return and Mm. the end of the age. And And it's the answer to three questions, isn't it? Well, that's the point. That's where I wanted to get to. So if if we look in chapter 24, it says, Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. Mm. But he answered them, You see all these, do you not? Truly, I say to you that there will be not left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Now,
1: this is very difficult for me because I've seen pictures of the Temple Mount and those big rocks that were built onto the Temple Mount in Herod's time to be the furnishings of exactly that temple, they are at the bottom of a hill, not one of them placed properly on the other. right? Because in 70 AD, a Roman general called Titus, who later became the emperor, he marched um a whole army into there and they destroyed the temple so 40 odd years after Jesus returned um the roman army moved in they killed everyone they destroyed brutal. everything they burned everyone down they were ready to absolutely annihilate this nation of, yeah. of of the state of judea and they killed as many people as they could find and they literally brought cranes in and construction equipment to lever the big rocks apart so that the temple would never again stand on that mount and they crushed it completely so you could be forgiven for thinking well if if the jesus is answering the question what should be the signs of your coming you know what what kind of Yep. Oh, sorry. I'm we'll get to that bit. Dialogue. We'll get to that bit. But so that me... sounds like seventy A.D. to me. Oh, it does Jesus prophesied that it would happen, and then it did happen within the lifetime of those listening? When well, they hear this statement, and and he says, "Truly, I say to you, mm. there will
0: not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down," as you've mm. said. So we know that happened. Verse three, it says, "As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us.'" When will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the close of the age? Uh Uh-huh. And that's where your three questions come in. So he's saying, when will these things be, i.e. the temple being dismantled? Yep. And what will be the sign of your coming? Yes. And the close of the age? So they're understanding these three things to all be
1: in the same
0: moment. Yes. They have to assume,
1: they are clearly assuming that if... The temple is destroyed and that sort of end of history comes. That has to be the end of everything. Right. And they're asking all the questions together as a cluster because they're like, you know, the day of the Lord, the great end, the the finality, the destruction of the temple, your return. When will that be? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the destruction of the temple has already happened and the Holy Spirit... Has been poured out. Yeah. Peter said that was the day of the Lord. And yet you've got Paul in Thessalonians saying, you know, don't say the day of the Lord, the end has happened because it hasn't. Wow. It's hard for us because the people who wrote the Bible are not the all seeing, all knowing, you know, people that sometimes Christians make them out to be. They didn't know when it was going to happen. They,
0: just like the Old Testament prophets, were serving. A future generation that they didn't know would come. Exactly. Which is, you know, all the generations up to you and me from them.
1: Yes. So in in 700 BC or some odd, you know, the prophet Isaiah sees a vision and writes a word down. And he doesn't know when that's for. Mm -hmm. And sometimes his prophecies come true in his own lifetime about Sennacherib and Assyria and many other things. And sometimes they sort of stay hot and stay alive and it's not obvious what they're about until hundreds of years in the future suddenly oh my goodness this is it and we have to approach jesus's speech in answer to this question cluster like that we have to approach the book of revelation like that we have to approach the scripture itself like that Hmm. because we don't know how clever our questions are You know, they thought they were getting a single answer to when's the end. Yeah. And Jesus is actually starting to tell them things to look out for, things that will happen. But none of the people who actually wrote these things down and, and, you know, passed them on to us knew when this would all happen. Yeah. And so it had to become clear piece by piece by piece, age after age. And each time we see another piece, we're like, oh, there it is. Woo. Yeah. You know, wowee, and there's a large proportion of the Christian church that counts these prophecies up and says, you know, we've only got this many left. You know, the hmm. the only ones left right. now are the end of the they world, so fulfilled. it's got to be soon. Yeah, yeah. So then he goes
0: on and he answers these questions, and some of it seems really clear mm-hmm. and very nice and simple all right which helps me but then some of it starts getting complicated mm. and less clear and so i'm going to just a couple of things that he says number one is bad stuff's going to happen but that's okay. not the end it's the beginning right um so he talks about wars and famines and earthquakes and he says these are the beginnings of the birth pangs mm. well my wife's had four children hmm by God's incredible kindness, mm-hmm. and each time there have been some birth pangs, and they've started before the significantly before the delivery. Yes, they build up to something. Everybody knows that once Braxton
1: Hicks contractions start, something's we're approaching. We're, we're the on end. the countdown. So yes. And anyone Uh, who's witnessed the birth knows that this can be an incredibly tumultuous and upsetting time. So we've got the end of one thing, i.e. the pregnancy, but we've got... But the
0: whole thing of birth is it's towards something, isn't it? Yes, something longed for and hoped for
1: and wonderful. So
0: these are the beginnings of the birth pains. Mm -hmm. Um, Birth
1: of what, I suppose, is my question. Um, You could say that um, we're looking for the sun to be revealed in the same sense that you know Mary and Joseph witnessed in the first instance Mm -hmm. it's like the second coming you you could some people do call it the second birth you know a a, a sort of fresh revealing of Jesus Christ the son
0: there is you know we like we keep saying there is going to come this end of history Mm -hmm. and the Lord's return seems to be that um and then it will be the birth of a whole new something which will be completely different Mm. um it then talks about Um, They will deliver you up to tribulation. There's that Mm. word tribulation, which we're going to have to look at. Yeah. Um. They'll put you to death, and you'll be hated by all nations on account of me. So that really did happen to the disciples in their lifetimes, but it's consistently been a theme throughout church history, hasn't it? Yes. Of the. Um, those who really want to walk with Jesus and be authentic disciples and be prophetic and clear in their um, speech and so on, they've they've quite often fallen foul of people in authority. And so at some points in history, there's been an intensive um, attempt by governments such as the Soviet Union. Sure. The government of the Soviet Union to literally eradicate Christians from the face of the earth. Um, so there's that. That's that's a thing. Mm-hmm. But there's also the sense of this great tribulation, which we probably should talk about in a second. Yes. It talks about many falling away, betraying each other. Um, it talks about the appearance of false prophets. Who these... will say, he's here, he's there, go here, go there, he'll be there. And again, all of these things have been characteristics of... Church history, haven't they? Have. They have. You They've know, all happened many times. There has been people falling away and betraying each other. There's been yep. false prophets. Right. And there, there are has today. has been
1: fierce, horrifying persecution at different yep.
0: times and in different places. Lawlessness to increase mm. and the love of many or most to grow cold, mm. which is arguably happening now. Yeah, yeah you can that. You know, I think a lot of people I would talk to and um, point that up as being an indication that the end is near. Yeah. Or nearer. Um, and But then he goes on to say that those who endure to the end will be saved. Mm. And he talks about the gospel of the kingdom yes. being preached to the ends of the earth, and then the end will come.
1: Yes. So there are people, aren't there? I remember there was one called the Joshua Project, which is still existing. And they took it upon themselves to think, we want Jesus to come back, but we don't want everyone to die without having heard about right. him. So... What if we take this one thing as our message where we say we want there to have been a decisive, um, evangelistic church planting expedition and mission to every nation on the earth. And we think that if we manage to get them all, that will he'll have to come back. Yeah. And so they started thinking well what's a nation you know by the yeah. way the un counts it there might be 210 or some odd nations states as there are um i don't think any one of them now could be called a christianless country for all of history all of them have had christians in them including the closed ones yeah. where Christianity is not tolerated. Actually had quite a vibrant Christian community back in the day. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Or, or even presently and secretly. Yeah. But there's still whole communities, whole ethnic groups, whole language groups yeah. that have never heard and, yeah. and are very unreached by Christian missionaries. And so the Joshua Project's whole thing was, let's translate the Bible into every language and send missionaries with that Bible to those communities, learn the language and try and reach them for Jesus. And if we can get to every one of them, then that will bring in this end. You know, mm-hmm. that will be the church's faithful witness to every tribe and nation, as yeah. as the Bible sort of makes clear. And that, to me, that is a great way of responding Wonderful. to the things we do know. Yeah. And it's a great way of, of reminding us all that actually the it's not all falling away in this day and age. You know, there's more people alive today who call themselves Christians than there ever have been in the history yeah, of the it's earth. Incredible. You know, it's, it's billions, yeah. probably well over 2 billion now. And the number is growing It's amazing. and it? it's, it's growing in every continent. It's growing it. in most places. So, um, we, we have to read the bit about the love of money will grow cold and there, there'll be people betraying each other and, and the, the sorrow and the tribulation and the, the devastation that brings is real for all of us. But knowing that also this great age of renewal, where the the world is is finding faith in a fresh way, in communities that you know formerly would have had nothing to do with European Christianity, and now the largest contingent in the church, you know, the global South, Latin Amazing. America, yeah. Africa, Asia. And now by far the largest concentrations of Christians. Yeah, And that gives me a huge amount of encouragement that it's not all doom and gloom. It's also revival and renewal, which is the stuff we really want to be talking about, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Can I just go there with this word tribulation a little bit? Because it's a a word that in English became um, normal after the King James Version was um, published Mm -hmm. in 1611. And it came into sort of common parlance in the 1800s through the people who first started talking in in modern English about what was going to happen and when and things like that. So after John Wesley and after the first Great Awakening, the sort of revival times, you had people who were writing with real sketches of what they were expecting to happen in the end times. And tribulation became the useful word to describe this time of unparalleled suffering for the church yeah and the idea is the the antichrist figure who emerges who takes over the world and the, the sort of disasters that are listed in revelation that will destroy the world progressively this is called the tribulation where the church suffer and it kind of comes from a the same sort of root as as thresh and trouble it's it's that same etymological idea but it's it's a um uh, a sort of puzzle all of its own really where people want to sort of make it mean everything they mean it to mean no more no less but it's it's not always as simple as that i think Mm. so if you say do you believe that there will be a tribulation it's like well Yes. You know, even North Korea, there already is one yeah. you know, in Iran. There's already one mm-hmm. in Afghanistan for the church there. There already is one. You know, in England, yeah. there was one um, a long time ago. And there may still be more in the future. But mm. um, the tribulation idea of, of there being a single definite point where you can say this is the worst ever and yeah. it will never be this bad again. But it is as bad ev- now as it will ever be. That also is part of what Jesus says here in Matthew 23 and 24, isn't it? Yeah.
0: And I think at the time of the fall of um, Jerusalem, they probably thought this has to be it. This is beyond the the suffering and misery was abject and unbelievable. Mm. And cannibalism was rife and everything else. It was just just an appalling time. Mm -hmm. But then the Holocaust puts
1: possibly even that in the shade well it's certainly it, by scale mm-hmm. yes definitely and by the horror witnessed by the people who were so barbarically destroyed and, and yeah. killed in that way and you know the jewish community could easily point to one of several points in history where the suffering of that time is uh, you know of a similar yeah. magnitude and justifiably yeah. so i mean what christians have suffered in times of persecution are similar and yeah, yeah. You know, we faced genocide before in history to people who were um, dead set against us existing, and none of that's to try and reduce any of that. No, no. And it's to uh, just speak clearly and say, look, the 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 persecution, the tribulation of of the saints has always been part of human history. So I suppose the question is whether we're building to some
0: future event which will be even worse than anything. So far mm. is the question, isn't it? And and
1: there was some stuff out in the, twen- in the 19th and 20th centuries, particularly where people said, don't worry, church, you won't experience this because there will come something they call the rapture, yeah. where before Jesus properly returns in the clouds with glory and demonstrations of every eye will see him, there will come this secret moment where everyone on earth who's a believer just yeah. disappears like that. And um, the belief is, is that there will come a terrible persecution on the earth, but God loves Christians too much to let them suffer through that. So we'll all be whisked away into heaven and we'll wait there while the earth is destroyed and, and everyone gets one last chance to repent and believe. Yeah, And um, that, that, to me, looks a little hopeful because but I can't... A very, very widely held view, is it? It is a hugely widely held view, and there's lots of people within our church who totally believe mm-hmm. in it, and and who would perhaps be a little shocked to hear me say I'm not expecting to have that happen. Mm. You know, I'm looking for a single moment of the end of human history, but there are other things which, in the New Testament, are clearly described which make it hard to think it all happens at once because anyone who's read revelation knows that there's an antichrist and a millennium and a judgment and then a binding of Satan for a thousand years. And then he's released again for some reason. And then you've got to fight the war. And it's like, sometimes it feels like Jesus is going to come back once, twice, three times. And I just cannot believe that that is the case. I think we're looking for one return of the one Christ who is Lord. And I don't think any of, the other things that are described mean that that has to be yeah. more than one occasion. Paul talks about this thing,
0: um, you know, of concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ mm. and our being gathered together with, to him. We ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word. Or a letter seeming to be from us, that's the bona fide apostles, Mm -hmm. to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way. That day will not come unless rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, Mm -hmm. the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Mm. And, you know, then he goes on to say the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. So we get this idea that there is the coming of some lawless person, but that that has to happen before the coming of the Lord. So like whatever. um, So it does seem that lawlessness gets another kind of fresh invigorating lease of life, if you like, to do its worst again on the earth. Before Jesus returns.
1: Well, the, the person who speaks most interestingly about this is the Apostle John to me, because right. you know the, the man of lawless antichrist mm-hmm. is definitively within the story of Revelation one person yeah. who is it appears as a beast and then you know takes over the world. And many Christians, and actually many non-Christians, are sure that eventually there'll come one world government ruled yeah. by one tyrant who will yeah. oppress us all at once. Um, But John writes in one of his letters, he writes, um, dear children, this is the last hour. As you've heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. And this is how we know this is the last hour. And I'm like, well, all right. That was a lot of hours ago. You wrote that at the end of the first century, dear John. And there certainly seems
0: to have been a few candidates even in my lifetime... Oh, boy, oh, boy, have there ever.
1: For the man of lawlessness. Yes, and, and you know, um, I, I have a brother who, um, when he was really quite young, made a very astute observation, and he said that he thought if, if he was the devil, right, and mm. he was the actual devil, and he didn't know when Jesus was going to come back, then if he was the devil, the devil would... Um, Always have a candidate or two That's ready, because in Revelation Very there's a there's a man of lawlessness, an antichrist who sets mm-hmm. himself up against God, and he is uh, he seems to survive some sort of assassination attempt, mm-hmm. and then Satan indwells this person, wow. and and fills them with new power and authority, and. Um, my My little brother was saying to me, he said, I think that's what's going to happen there'll There'll always be someone, some mm-hmm. tyrant who wants to ruin everyone's yeah. day and take over the world I and found. and kill everyone and yeah. do horrible things and Satan's sort of waiting for enough signs that Jesus is going to return and if if he sees enough signs, he's going to sort of make his play and turn whoever it is into wow. Antichrist, Antichrist. Yeah. But as John says, you know, there's lots of candidates. Yeah. You know, when any tyrant in history, you know, the people have called Genghis Khan or, you know, Stalin, Hitler. Um, these, these sort of horrendous upheavals in history are sort of always, in a way, you know, partly they're a societal thing, but partly they're the work of some horrible, horrible person who just yeah. seems to be sure that killing everyone's the best idea ever. And... For my little brother, the the conclusion was maybe Satan's always got a candidate or two, and to, do you know what? I I, I haven't seen profound. anyone really write that um, in good. in my scholarly research. I haven't seen anybody kind of have that out, and wow. I'm I'm sold to, yes, to that it's idea. To me. So Paul says the same
0: thing, doesn't he? In yeah. in Thes- two Thessalonians, he says the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. It is, and so anyway. Um, so let's just nail a couple more, or at least refer to a couple more of these themes. Okay. I mustn't be too optimistic um, about nailing them conclusively. But mm. we've got so we've talked about the Great Tribulation. We've talked about the Rapture, which is a is a kind of a night. It's got some attractive ideas about it. Yes. But what we see is more a a much much bigger public global event of Mm -hmm. the lord's return rather than a secret squirreling away of years in advance of the actual return yeah with some more trouble to follow if
1: if you ever want to sort of work out why we're doubtful about this idea just go on the internet and look up rapture tribulation timeline diagram or something like that And by the time you've looked at four or five of those, I think you'll probably agree. There's no way that anything that elegant and contrived could possibly be being described. You know, when when the scripture talks about the return of Christ in this, his elect, his people, his Believers gathered, gathered up to him along with the dead. It's like, come on, this is the earth. end of everything, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And I, I'm not, I've never been properly convinced that, that that's going to happen. And then there'll be seven years of, Oh, wh- wh- what then now, then, uh, which bit are we on? <laughs> oh, so, um,
0: so then we've got the great tribulation. Yeah. With the man of lawlessness, presumably that's his moment. Um, then the other theme, which is judgment,
1: yes, and that t- seems to take place at the end of the physical world as we know it, isn't it? That everyone will have to give an answer for yeah. the life that they have lived. Living and the dead will all be gathered at once. We'll all have to face him. And you know, Jesus told this story, and he said, when this, um, the, when it happens, the 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 Son of Man will be like uh, divide the sheep over to mm-hmm. one side and the goats over to the other. And you know, um, people will have to give an account. But to some, they'll be uh, well done, good and faithful yeah. servant. You've been faithful with these things. Now come into the everlasting inher- inheritance prepared for you since the beginning of time. And to the others, away from you, I never away from me. I never knew you. My thinking, Pete, is mm-hmm. always been that when Jesus comes mm-hmm. and
0: we are face to face with Him, that will be a judgment in itself because yes. it will be so clear who is He his and who's not yeah. but even so the theologians want to say that there are two judgments there's sure. the kind of sometimes beamer, three oh maybe <laughs> yeah there's what they call the beamer seat of judgment which is for the christians and then uh, there's yes. the great white throne judgment for um everybody else you know and and i think no when we, we all the sin everything of our hearts are gonna be laid bare. Yes. When Jesus comes. There's so gonna be says, no secret.
1: The secrets of men's hearts will be proclaimed
0: and from rooftops. Whether we're his or not will be and whether we're in Christ or not will mm. be also completely apparent. Yes. In that moment, I'm sure. But that is
1: the great moment of sorting, isn't it? Where for some people, everlasting life and heaven. And that's how
0: Jesus framed it, wasn't it? Consistently, I'm going to separate these, the sheep from the goats and so on. And that's become almost adopted in kind of the collective consciousness, hasn't it? In common, you know, the sheeps and the goats kind of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, The millennium.
1: millennium this is a such important one if i if i could kind of wail on it a little bit first to just give you a sketch of what people believe so in revelation there is a time where christ in heaven is triumphant and he sees he gets an angel to seize hold of the dragon that ancient serpent who is satan and bind him cast him out yeah and and he'll have to sort of survive being bound and limited and and sort of hidden away from from sight for a thousand years Mm -hmm. and um millennium is just our english word for a thousand years and the 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 question is when is that one thousand years so the all through church history the mainstream opinion has been that the binding of satan in heaven is a way of describing what Jesus achieved on the cross and in heaven in his triumph. And Satan was cast down out of heaven. So when the kingdom of God is established on the earth in Christ and through the apostles, it's like Satan was thrown down and yeah. stuck. You know, he can't any longer he's return to heaven. He, sphere he's, of influence. Exactly. Yeah. So he's bound with a chain in that sense. And so he's angry on the earth because he knows his time is short, Mm -hmm. but he can't go back to heaven. He can't do any sort of transition Mm -hmm. up there. And the church has historically taught that that millennium where Christ reigns on the earth through the church is what we're experiencing right now. Mm -hmm. So when Jesus in Luke chapter 10, 11, he he sends his disciples out, doesn't he? First 12 and then 72. And, And the kingdom of God is established on the earth and at that time the disciples come back and they say with joy even demons obey us we're healing the sick we're raising Mm -hmm. the dead we're proclaiming the gospel people are believing it's amazing yeah and jesus full of joy in the holy spirit says i saw satan fall like lightning from heaven Mm -hmm. he's out do you see and so in in the Bible, in the book of Job, Satan roams the earth and mm-hmm. then goes to and fro yeah. in it. And then he sort of presents himself in heaven before yeah. God. And people say, well, how does Satan have access to God? But the, it, the establishment of the kingdom of heaven is what disqualifies Satan from any movement through the heavens again. Jesus mm-hmm. has done it. He's established the kingdom wow. of God on the earth. And so Satan is cast down. And so the historic approach of the church has been to say the millennium is a way of describing Jesus's reign and rule and power are present on this, earth this current age in the church. Mm-hmm. And we're going to expand. We're going to take it all. It. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're going to expand yeah. to try and fill the whole earth. Mm-hmm. But that's what we've got now. And there's still going to be an end in the future when Jesus returns and, and sort of finally does the judgment. But that is what modern people modern scholars call a millennialism i.e that it's it's not a kind of literal thousand years it's a way of describing the time where satan is bound and cast out of heaven but still there is the kingdom of god on the earth and jesus is reigning on the earth through the church and that's what we've got the other kinds of (laughs) of approach are to well basically it comes from a completely different place where people say this millennium this 1000 years where satan is bound how could he be both bound in prison yeah. and active doing how, the atrocities yeah on peter earth. says you know after jesus has ascended and gone to heaven he says your opponent the devil roams the earth like yeah. a lion seeking someone to devour mm-hmm. you know he's it, clearly not kind of Too stuck is he? He's active, Mm -hmm. and so the millennium they think must must refer to a period of time in the future where Jesus comes back, and then lives in our world as is for one thousand years, Mm -hmm. and sort of he's here reigning in Jerusalem. Yeah, and he's here, but he's the church here. We're all still here. And we're living on the earth filled with, with great power and joy. But outside of that, somehow, yeah. there's more. Yeah. And at the end, the, at the end of the thousand years, the, the, that passage in Revelation says that, you know, that the, the, there will be one last army gathered against the saints and against the kingdom of God. And, you know, Gog and Magog and the nations will oh, gather and try and overthrow the kingdom yeah. once and for all but they'll all be vaporized by the glorious Lord. And then that will be the end. Yes. The, the judgment will come. So, and pre- so that's another one of the kind of extended
0: end kind of yes. scenarios, isn't it? Where yeah. it, it, you think it's the end,
1: but actually there's a thousand years mm. still. And then at the end of the thousand years, we haven't had an end to sin and the devil yeah. and death yet. We're going to have another end of that. And then, mm-hmm. I, the reason I am an a millennialist is because I believe that what is left is for Jesus to return and make an end of the world as we know it. And that's just what I see. I, I, I don't know why I am. I don't know why I, would I much I prefer that. that. Be, but I know my opinion doesn't count but, well I mean you know, it does in, in, count in doesn't that, it the, the thing is the that it is a mystery it's, yeah. it's not clear and Christians have been divided over these issues for all these centuries for exactly yeah. this reason that it is hard for us to um, unequivocally deny the biblical existence of clearly obvious parts of the Bible so hmm. it's like there is a millennium and there is a binding of Satan and there is a judgement at the end yes. of that I, I just can't see what I can't see is is how Jesus could return to rapture his church and then destroy the world and then return and then rule on the earth for a thousand years and then let everyone rebel against him again and then return on the clouds so that every eye will see him and then have a judgment. There's just too many. It, it, yeah. Let's just, let's park that
0: one, Pete. All right. Because we could spend a of time. You want to time. talk
1: more? I'd love to talk more. <laughs>
0: just one last thing I want All right. to... Just raised because it is the probably most glorious expectation that comes along with Christian eschatology, and mm-hmm. that is the Bride of Christ. Yes. That moment where all the people who have loved Jesus, who've mm-hmm. been redeemed by his blood, so his they've claimed his blood for the forgiveness of their own sins, Yep, and have been... Sealed with the
1: Holy Spirit, yeah, and they've believed, and and they've been faithful, and they've trusted, they've endured to the end, and now they've become like the the
0: the um, Book of Revelation envisages them as a bride prepared for her husband, dressed Mm, in beautiful garments, immaculate, and ready for the for the the wedding feast. yeah. Yeah, the wedding feast, and that Jesus Himself is the bridegroom yes and his return is the one is the culmination it's the end of a glorious romance and something so beautiful and profound mm. it absolutely blows my mind away
1: yes and and in it there's this heavenly reality which is you and i and all christians forever as they will be being realized In preparation for that event, isn't Mm. it? So in heaven, you and I are somehow seated with him in heavenly places. You and I are somehow regarded by God as faultless and righteous. Already. His children. And I, for one, can't imagine how God could look at me and see that. But he does see that. And on the earth, that heavenly reality is becoming an earthly reality. Mm. Bit by bit. Despite my faults, despite my failures, despite my weakness, despite my sin, he is making me glorious. Amazing, here. isn't it? And that is my bit. And he's also doing it to you. And if you believe in Jesus and you trust in him and you will walk with him, that's what he does to you. Yeah. He makes you part of this great bride who's mm. getting ready. So yeah. my wife, when she got married, um, we she got up in the morning and she had her parents, she had her bridesmaids, and she had somebody in doing hair and hair makeup dresser, and yeah. everyone's wandering around in dressing gowns yeah. and you know the hairs up in curlers and stuff. And I wasn't privy to any of this. I was having a full English <laughs> with my friend James. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that was my preparation. Well done, Pete. In it. <laughs> but she she spent the whole day yeah. getting ready. And, that's and part of we it, didn't even get it? married married till lunchtime. And she yeah. spent all the time that day getting ready and The church of God, which is in the world, is not just a minority community. We're not just a bunch of people. We are also a heavenly reality coming true in real time Mm. in the earth. And that is that all together, not just as individuals, but as one, we are becoming ready for this great marriage. And when it happens, we will be glorious, radiant, resplendent, like we could never believe that we were. It's amazing, isn't it? And so the Lord's
0: return precipitates the perfection and that moment of readiness is complete, mm. not because we've done everything that was needed, but because his appearing has transformed us into his likeness in one go. When we yeah. see him, we'll be like him. Yes. And will be changed in the twinkling of an eye, it says, doesn't it? Yes. I love that. I remember it from my childhood, just thinking of the twinkling of an eye, and it's his eye twinkling at us somehow. And I believe you can thank William Tyndale for that. That was his translation. Beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. So, oh my. So that's our hope. And and you and I, Pete, are absolutely in agreement on that one. Mm. And um, I'm sure many of our listeners, too. But what, what what I'm also conscious of as we come to an end of this episode and this series mm. is that probably people may have been frustrated or disappointed that we haven't covered certain topics mm-hmm. and there's so much to say um, and if there's anything that you would like us to come back and have a, like an epilogue or a follow, you know, kind of yeah. final word we'll, and we can discuss those things that are on your mind yeah maybe send us an email if you send it to paul at uk, that will get to me and just put your comments on th- yeah.
1: it's something you'd like to talk about anything or you'd like you'd to hear, like us to hear from us or anything you'd like to sort of raise with us and say we may not be able to get through them all but we will read them all and we will try and get to them yeah all. and it would be lovely to feel like we've been able to serve a bit bit more as
0: well together and so on so listen it's been a blast i hope you've enjoyed this uh series please do like it share it pass it on Mm. and we'll hopefully if you can get those emails to us by the 23rd of june we'll see if we can pack another one together and get it out there in good time look forward to seeing you there god bless you everyone thanks everyone